Hello friends and welcome to Monday's edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. I'm afraid it comes to you on another mauve Monday, not a particularly happy Monday. It's which Town are out of the FA Cup at the first round stage for the first time since 1955. It's going to be a tough one today to get through this. I am your host Mark Heath as ever and with me Roscoe rotates onto a week off, very well earned. Hope you enjoyed his Roscoe Reacts stuff on the weekend. But I'm, I'm pleased to say his two teammates, his two partners in crime, are with me today to break down the Pompey defeat. I'm going to start first of all with a man who's also on a day off, but has kindly joined us because he's got nothing better to do. Dr. Stuart Watson, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. Well, fine. Yes. Excellent. Um, you are on a day off. You decided to join us, and I appreciate that. What What else have you got planned for your day off today? Given you can't you, do anything, you was on a day off when you when you joined us the other week. I don't remember us making quite quite the fuss about it. I thought I would join you because it would be nice. I think it's leaving the two two two's not as good as three, is it? No. Generally speaking, in life, no. Um, and the reason I didn't make a big fuss about me being off the other day is because I'm the host, and it wasn't it wasn't a negative thing. Stewie, it's, it's more I'm genuinely delighted that you're with us. Because as you delight. say, me and Hutchie just talking about this, <laughs> this Pompey game for half an hour or 45 minutes would have been a struggle. I'm here. I'm here to help. Happy to help. Excellent. And we're happy to have you here. And I'm sure Hutchie Hogan is also happy to have you here. Alfred Hutchcock, Michael Hutchins. How are you, Andy? You're, you are both absolute heroes for doing, <laughs> the, for doing these on days off. Absolute heroes, the two Aren't of you, we? and and you deserve you deserve every bit of praise that comes your way as a result of that as well. I'm I'm very very impressed. Perhaps some no. clapping clapping outside the front door, maybe later. Yeah, eight. What day do you want? Thursday's been claimed. Which uh, what day do heroes such as yourselves need to be clapped outside the today outside the front door? Okay, yeah, I'll do. I'll do a one man a one man serenade for you later and. Uh, other other KOA listeners can uh, can join me. Thanks, Hutchie. I think uh, I think my wife would agree. I deserve to be clapped on the doorstep most nights uh, for my contribution to yeah. uh, banter and podcasting in general. Key workers, key workers. Keep, that's what that's what country, we are keeping the country going. Absolutely going into what? COVID hotspots, so you don't have to. <laughs> Boys. Let's start talking about the game then. I want to start this week. Obviously, Town lost, I've already said. First FA Cup rat, first round exit since 1955. The likes of Canvey Island, Marine and Kings Lynn have now officially gone further in the FA Cup this season than Ipswich Town. Now, last week, we all talked about whether we actually cared about this game, whether we cared if Town won it. Um, I think we all agreed, not really. Uh, but obviously, a lot of the chat after the game has been about the fact that Town are out feelings around that very, very poor FA Cup performance. It's now one win in 19 FA Cup games, I believe. And Hutchie, I noted in your excellent Sunday snap that Pompey have actually won as many games in the FA Cup at Portman Road as Town have done in recent years. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about your feelings about Town exiting the FA Cup, boys, and whether it's a good or bad thing. Um, there's, there's quite a lot of feedback on the old KOA Army front on both sides of the fence. Um, but how are you feeling about it, Stewie? I, I know after the game, you, you put something out to the effect of oh, it's not the end of the world, uh, and you got quite a bit of um, strong feedback on that, didn't you? Yeah, I think that the phrase that kind of got the people going was 
blessing in disguise or potential blessing in disguise, which which has angered people. And I'll try and explain it because I do get it. I really do get it that Ipswich fans are fed up of going out the cup at the first hurdle every year and managers continually making several changes and it doesn't help any kind of winning mentality. And if you're going nowhere in the league, why are managers chucking away the cup? Trust me, I've I've been at all of these games. I was at Portsmouth, I was at Lincoln, I was at Accrington, I was at Preston. Um, I've lived it, I've had those frustrations as well. And you can extend it to the League Cup as well, going to Old Trafford, having thousands of fans there and, and dropping the entire first team. I've been equally baffled by some of these cup decisions over the years. But putting all that to one side and treating this year as an individual case, I do think this year is different because of COVID, because of the schedule being so truncated and the amount of games that are being squeezed into a smaller schedule. I think those kind of fine margins that you're going to be able to gain through the schedule and through getting the odd breather here and there are going to make a difference. And I'm not sure that we're seeing the full effects of the schedule just yet. But when we get deep into the Christmas period and beyond, and perhaps there's going to be, who knows what's going to happen with COVID, there there may be, you know, swathes of games getting called off as as we go along. Mm. And then you're going to have to start squeezing them into schedules. And some teams might end up, never mind playing twice a week, might have to start playing three times a week. You never know. So I didn't want Ipswich to lose yesterday. I was frustrated at the manner that they went out. Of course I was, but they've now been able to move that Charlton game pre-Christmas into the uh, FA Cup second round slot, and that will give them a a nice little breather going into the festive period, which is always a, a, a a crucial stage of the season. And I just think that that little, those little fine margins, Ipswich are going to need all, all the help they can get this season. And um, so while I'm disappointed that they went out, you know, once emotions have kind of settled a little bit, you know, I'm not desperately sad that they've gone out. I get it. It's another kind of reminder of how far Ipswich have fallen. First time they've gone out at the first round since... 55, I think you said, didn't you? And, mm. you know, the swathe of sort of non-league teams going ahead of them. It is another sobering reminder of how far Ipswich Town as a football club has fallen. But um, the priority this season is the league. It's pr- promotion. Promotion is everything with the salary cap, with everything that's going on in football. Um, so that's that's where I'm at with it. Okay. Before you uh, get involved, Hutch, I just want to read a few thoughts from the, the Claray Army. Chris Miles takes the Stuart Watson approach to answering the question. He says, do I care? Not really, although very annoying when it should have gone to penalties. It looks like town needs to be at least two goals in front every game to account for shoddy decisions at the moment. Martin Code takes the opposite view. He says, I care. This club has had so little to even smile about, never mind cheer, for years now. And while I'm not a huge fan of the cup by any means, we should be going for any success that we can. Tom Lawrence says, I do care, but the fixture list is so busy and the league is more important. Um, Nigel G, friend of the show, says league has to be the priority with no other distractions, if only to get away from the shambolic refs. Um, where else are we? Let's just have a look. There's another one I want to read out as well. Tony Stoughton, league has to be the priority, but I'd like town to win the ridiculously named Papa John's Trophy, which obviously we'll come on to 
in due course. Sam Chapman, Portsmouth have won as many games at Portman Road as we have in the last 18 seasons in the Cup. Again, we've failed to be a divisional rival. We're not helped by appalling refereeing decisions either. I'm actually looking forward to seeing a young town team play in the trophy game. And one final thing, Sam Clark, don't really care about the Cup, but Lambert saying he couldn't have asked for any more from his players is worrying. The first half was painfully slow from Ipswich. So, Hutchie, do you agree with Stewie? Is it potentially a good thing? Or are you devastated by the cup exit? I can't possibly be devastated by it. It's just an inevitability, isn't it? Do do we really see the FA Cup as being anything other than ending like this? Last year, they lost to Lincoln in the second round. They played four FA Cup games last year. Obviously, no replays this year. But would it have been any better if they'd made it to round two and then lost there? Would it have been any better if they'd made it to round three? And lost in round three to a championship team. No, and all, and all you've done is add add games to your schedule. I'm not really I'm not really that bothered about the new low since the since the 1950s. It's you know the the new low is the fact they're playing in this round of the FA Cup. Mm. It doesn't matter that they've ultimately they've ultimately lost in it. Um, so no, I'm not I'm not bothered about it. I do and. I, and it's up to Ipswich now to to prove that it, the the right thing to do was to make these change changes nine changes it was for this game hmm. um, by by using that to benefit to benefit their league form. Hmm. Can I, the, another thing that I need to point out also is that this year is different in that there's no fans at grounds, so that the whole point of the FA Cup for clubs that are in Ipswich's position is you're not going to win it. We all know that you're probably not going to make the latter rounds. As Andy says, the best you're going to get is third, fourth, maybe fifth round. And then you get a little bit of prize money. But the the main, the carrot, the main carrot for clubs like Ipswich is that you get a a good away day at a Premier League club and you can take four or 5,000 fans to somewhere. And, you know, and that adds a real feel good factor and injects a bit of momentum into your league campaign. But you're not going to have any of that this year because the fans can't go. So the, all of the positives that could come with an FA Cup run have kind of dried up this year. The only good thing that can come from it is a little bit of prize money, but that's been cut this year. For Ipswich, it's not going to be, you know, season-changing amounts of money that come with the FA Cup. Um, mm. And, I mean, we, we'll probably talk about the nine changes in a minute. I honestly don't think it was a kind of a throwaway team selection either. I don't think it was a real real weakened team. I don't I don't know if you can really question that many of the changes that were in the t- you know that that were made to be quite honest. Mm. Okay, well let's let's talk about the game itself then. Now, clearly last week we started by breaking down the big decisions in the Sunderland game that went against town. Again this week big decisions went against town. But the slight difference this week is that there's kind of no debate um about whether it was the the wrong or right decision on on both counts. Hawkins, for me, was clearly brought down. It should have been a penalty. And then, obviously, the winning goal was clearly offside. Um, Hutchie, I mean, am I being too harsh there on the ref? He got both of those clearly wrong, didn't he? I think the second one needs to go down on the linesman. It's his job to give give the offsides. Um, But, yeah, um, I I can see, you know, we talked about the Sunderland ones. I can see why they weren't why they went the way that they did. But these these ones are, like you say, very obvious. The, the guy's offside. Uh, Janoi Donassian suggested to me after the game that um, he was told by the referee that it was Mark McGuinness that put the ball in the net, which is a bit of a 
bit of a concern if that's what he saw. Um, <laughs> the off the offside. The only the only defence I can give the ref is that Hawkins was kind of le- leveraging himself off the defender anyway. But you can see you can see he's got a fistful of his mm. shirt. Um, it's pretty obvious. We could see that from up in the from up in the press box, and then very clear on the replays. There's a, a big old fistful of shirt dragging him, dragging him down. So um, no, uh, two pretty obvious ones to discuss this time, and Ipswich have been on the wrong end of them again. Mm. Penalties, the penalties worse for me because that was clear to everyone in real time. You could see his shirt being pulled away from him. I don't, I don't see how between the referee and the linesman. They they can't give that. The the defence for the offside one at the end is that it's a very crowded box and I don't think anyone right at the time could kind of see that, you know, it's it's a there's the the initial header, the save, then another little header, then the ball goes in. It's very crowded, I think, for the officials in real time. Maybe it's hard to, to kind of decipher who's who's got the touches when. That's the only defence for them. But the penalty I mean that's that's stonewall. Unbelievable. Mm. Absolutely unbelievable. Incredible. What? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, you spoke to Lambo again after the game. Uh, we made a joke last week about him being on the back phone to Mike Jones again. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> how was he after the game, Stuart? He was, he was kind of incredulous, wasn't he, in a kind of almost entertained way by it all? Yeah. He'd, he'd gone beyond anger, I think, at that point. He came out to us and he was just just sort of laughing, wry laughter, sort of, you know, dear, dear, oh dear, that's one of his catchphrases, but just sort of running, running his hands down his cheeks, um, just kind of laughing, you know, you have to laugh, otherwise you'll cry. That was the kind of mentality that he brought to it. I just think he, he just couldn't believe that it had happened again. Well then, boys, okay, that's the, that's the two big decisions or non-decisions covered. Um, clearly not really a lot of debate to be had about that this week. Clearly, clearly wrong. And at some point, you'd hope town are going to start getting the rubber of the green, hopefully maybe storing it up towards the end of the season for when it might actually come back and be useful for them. Let's talk about the game itself then, boys. Um, town made a lot of changes, as expected, nine changes. Um, your first, first of all, boys, on, on the team selection and players that you were, you were pleased to see get that chance, perhaps, Hutchie. I think yeah, Stuart Stu was right earlier. I don't think you can argue about too many of them. David Cornell was always going to play. This is this was Janoy Danassian's game a month that he that he seems to get. Um, interesting that they kept the two that kept their place were the central defensive partnership of of Toto and McGuinness. But I guess if that if you've got an eye on them playing games together going forward, maybe you'd want to give them another game. Kenlock another who. Uh, was always going to get a game in this. John Nolan back from suspension. Emmy Hughes always going to play in the cup games. We've been talking about wanting to see Keenan Bennett, so that's no problem there. Ollie Hawkins has been one of the two, uh, the two sort of featured featured strikers in there. Mm. Um, Freddie Sears needed needed some minutes as well, and then and then Brett McGavin, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit more detail, um, a beneficiary of Andre Dazelle's suspension. So not not really anything to to grumble about in there because if you think of the players left out Teddy Bishop um you'd want to give him a rest Stephen Ward give him a rest Luke Chambers is 35 give him a give him a rest Dazelle suspended obviously Grill and Edwards you've you've flogged so far so if you are going to make changes for the cup which was always going to be what Lambert was going to do the the those are the ones that you were you were going to make so no it's um pretty much the team I was expecting to see and 
not too many. You can have the big grumble over whether those changes should have happened at all, particularly given Portsmouth were more unchanged. So um, for mm. me, no, no issue there, really. Uh, Jimmy, yeah, go, go, go through the ones that have dropped out. Uh, and Andy's just talked about it. Stephen Ward's just come back from the three-week absence with an Achilles injury. He's 35. Did anyone really want to see him risk? Jack Lancaster's just started two of the previous three off the back of being out for almost two years with back problems. Teddy Bishop's, you know, starting plenty of games this year. And we all know his injury record in the past. Alan Judge has just come back from an injury. Caden Jackson's just come back from injury slash... COVID. How would people have felt if any of those players mentioned had picked up an injury, a significant injury? And Portsmouth had a player go off. Andy Cannon went off with a pulled groin and he's going to be out for weeks now. And by all accounts, he's one of their key players. So that's the way you've got to look at it. I, the only ones you could question as potentially unnecessary is, is the goalkeeper. Chambers at right back has obviously shown that he can rattle out the games. But again, he's 35 now and Gwian Edwards, maybe another, but you know he's he's a, he's a key player for Ipswich at the moment, and I think it's it was really prudent to kind of wrap a few of them in cotton wool. Mm. Who stood out for you then from the from the guys who did play? Hutchie said McGavin there, and clearly he had, he had a really good game. Obviously, great to see Norwood back and among the goals as well. But but for you, Stewie, who who stood out? Uh, I think McGavin's got a real chance of of keeping that holding midfield spot once, um, you know, while Dizel's suspended. Um, that, that suspension doesn't count for the um, for the trophy tomorrow night. So Dizel will miss the home games against Shrewsbury and Hull. And I, I think McGavin has really put his hand up for those. Um, took a while to get into the game, but his range of passing is excellent. I think... Mm. Um, Set pieces, he really has added something. It's been a while since Ipswich have looked have had some dangerous corner deliveries, and uh, he really whipped some of those in underneath the crossbar. There was one that almost went straight in that the goalkeeper kept out with his legs. So, um, was in, I think he was probably the pick of of the players without sort of doing it fully over ninety minutes. I thought I thought he you know he faded in extra time as a lot of players did, but he was a bright spot. And I thought James Norwood looked like the James Norwood of old when he when he came on. He was he was a pest. He was lively. He took his goal really well. We'd seen him sort of fluff a few of those one on one chances last year. So that was another big positive for me. Mm. Obviously um he ended up playing a lot longer than would have been expected when he came on and was he was favouring a leg, wasn't he, towards the end Stuart? Is that is that okay? Is he okay? I, I hope so. I think it was just a bit of cramp really. Um Andy sort of said to me during the game, I doubt they were expecting when they brought him on around the hour mark to for him to do another 30 minutes of extra time. And I think it was just before the, the interval of extra time, he, he set off on a sprint to close the ball down and immediately felt his hamstring. And um, Ipswich had used all their subs by that point. And there was a big discussion between the bench and, and James as to whether he needed to, to come off. Um, he was pretty, pretty lame for that second period of... of um, of extra time, but um, hopefully just a bit of cramp and, and he'll be okay. Mm. Hutchie, bright spots. Ipswich Town made nine changes and held a pretty much full-strength Pompey side to two all in, in the course of the, the normal 90 minutes. Um, that, that's got to be a bright spot, hasn't it? A, a bright point, something to hang your hat on? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a negative. Um, I thought this was a game of a game of three halves, this one. Uh, the first half, 
two nil down inside 15 minutes, two goals that are, are pretty avoidable, unlucky. Uh, it's got a bit of all of them mixed into both of those goals. And they were, they, Ipswich were pretty toothless in that first half before John Nolan got them got them back into the game with a bit of uh, a bit of quality that had been missing for the whole of it. And I don't think without that goal, we'd have had anything like the second half that followed. But um, the second half, they were much, they played a much higher tempo. They pushed um, Ipswich are more dangerous when they move the ball quickly. They can make this passing football work if they play with tempo. And that's what they did. Norwood, I thought Norwood was looking quite lean, actually, compared to maybe the, the James Norwood that, that went into his injury. Um mm the back of the first lockdown. Um, yeah, I was pleased, to, definitely pleased to see him back. And they had their bit between their teeth for, for that 45 minutes. And uh, you felt that they could have gone on to win that in normal time. But but once extra time came around, I think they'd given so much in that second half of the game that to use a Mick McCarthyism, they, they were goosed uh, towards, the, towards the end of it all. Um, and, and then... If any team was going to win it in extra time, it was going to be Portsmouth. It's just, um, it's just horrible that they've ultimately they've ultimately scored their winner with a goal that shouldn't have been allowed. But yeah, there, there are positives to take in there. Can I talk about Janoi Danassian briefly as well? Of course. Because, of course. Um, regular regular listeners will know how I feel about Janoi. He's uh, he's solid. I don't think he quite gets the respect that he deserves sometimes um unfavorable comparisons to to Kane Vincent Young haven't helped him um nor has the transfer fee that was paid for him which of course has a relevance but it also it's also some unfair sticks to beat him with he, he plays a game once a month for Ipswich Town at best comes in he, he he's always solid he's not going to be He's not going to be Vincent Young. He's not going to fly up and down the right flank. He's not going to beat a man or deliver teasing crosses or runs into the box. But he, he's solid, and, and that deserves that deserves some respect in my book. And he's also he's also a lovely fella. I'd quite happily speak to him after every every Ipswich Town game. That that's a perfect segue into a comment from Sindre Eliasson, who says, "I wonder if ever in my entire life I've seen a player so consistently deliver fives and six sixes more than Denaysons." Never magnificent, but seldom below OK. A very good squad player in my eyes. He can do a job all across the back four and seems like a jolly fellow as well. And I know, Hutchie, in your, in your Sunday snap, you, you, you spoke to um, Genoi about Bomber Harrison, who obviously he was, um, he was reunited with at the weekend. And uh, he made a, a comment perhaps about the, the friendship now being on hold, <laughs> which seemed to be quite a serious thing for him mm-hmm. to say. Yeah, I think he meant it. it. Those two tangled for the for the free kick, which ultimately led to the winner. And I think I think Harrison did a good job of winning of winning that free kick rather than Genoi necessarily giving it away. Um, and I think you, I think Genoi was being deadly serious that he, he's not going to speak to to Ellis for a little bit. But he he did also suggest that Ipswich really should know how to play to play him better than they do, given. Given how well they know him as a player, because he's he's always in the two games he's played against Town since he left last summer, he's he's always been a handful. Um, he should be an Ipswich player still, shouldn't he, guys? Yeah. I mean, we we yeah. said this at the time. This isn't being smart with hindsight, but Ipswich are now playing four three three and need a good mobile, physical, all round striker that can do a bit of everything in that kind of central role in a four three three. And at this level. 
Ellis Harrison is is kind of up there in terms of as good as good as you can get. Um, he's now played well against Ipswich a couple of times, and Ipswich have ended up ironically with the guy that Portsmouth let go because he couldn't get you know because he was below Harrison in the pecking order in Ollie Hawkins and. I don't mind Ollie Hawkins. I think he's he's. We've seen bits and pieces of what what he's all about so far, but I'd rather have Ellis Harrison. Oh, all day long, all day long. Um, I think it was it's rather than kind of on pitch ability. It was it more came down to a character thing. I think didn't it in terms of his of his departure. I'm not sure he's a Paul Lambert Lambert type of character in terms of how laid back he is and and things like that but no I'd have I'd have kept him um I really like I liked what I saw of him in the championship um he had injuries didn't he that kept him out for quite a long long spells of that but he, he showed in the championship he had a, a thing or two about him and then league one is a league one is his domain so yeah he uh he would he would be an excellent option for Ipswich at the moment but um ultimately they uh they allowed him to move on and that deal was pretty much done in order for for them to kind of pay off the rest of the bill that was owed to Bristol Rovers originally, wasn't it? So it's a it's a funny old deal there. Um, but yeah, I think sadly Ipswich are on the wrong end of it. Hmm. I'll take a few more thoughts from the Carry Army boys, and I'll come back to you just for your final thoughts on the game. Um, Glory Days artwork, our old friend Brad says, playing out from the back is causing more problems for us than it's than it is the opposition. It can be pleasing on the eye when done effectively, and works well with Wolfenden in the team. But without the Wolf, it seems like an accident waiting to happen. Blue Soap says nine changes weren't good. Good second half performance. And to put it back to 2-2 was encouraging. I started the day with no expectation. And therefore, I wasn't disappointed. Um, sorry, Shane, who's a who's a big roughy tufty American footballer, judging from his avatar, says infuriating inconsistencies from these tin pot officials. That aside, I thought we were genuinely tosh. The second half only looked okay against the shower of the first half. Shout out to McGuinness and McGavin. They played well. I genuinely have no idea how you boys cover this shit every week. Because <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we make money. Um, uh, Harry Butcher, friend of the show, man with the arrow, says it's all a shambles. Christian Davis, prioritising the league with this early FA Cup exit. Trouble is, I just can't see his getting promotion either. Or is that just me? Rob Hughes, can you envision any circumstance in which a town manager would think Let's have a real go at the FA Cup this year. Or should we accept that day will just never actually come? Um, a couple more boys. Shane Davey, any other season I'd care about going out of the Cup with the condensed fixtures this season? I don't. Um, McGuinness grows with every game. Uh, plus point was seeing Norwood back and importantly got minutes and got on the score sheet. And just one more I want to read out before we get on to the rest of the pod. Uh, ITFC says, another new low recorded under Lambert. The positive is we can concentrate on the league. But I'd like to know which of the four kings truly believe Paul Lambert is the man to take Ipswich up this season. I'm concerned Evans doesn't recognise Town's lack of promotion chances. Okay then, boys. Final thoughts on the game. Stewie, do you want to to finish off on the game? Was there anyone that you thought might have got a game? I mean, obviously Dobra is chief amongst them um, who we didn't see. Yeah, he's probably the the only one, isn't he? Um, I don't know what the situation is with him um, and going away with the Albanians under twenty ones. I know they've got a game against Kosovo on Friday, but um, whether that means he'll be able to be involved at, at Crawley tomorrow night, who are the team obviously that that tried to get him on loan prior to to the deadline. I know in the past 
Ipswich have come to an agreement with um, with Albania and other international teams to kind of let them join up later because I think the, the countries obviously see them getting good good level club action as, as better for their development. I don't know, but um, I thought Keenan Bennett's was was another little bright spot. He's um, he's he's clearly got some talent. I thought every time he got the ball, he tried to make something happen. He's got a trick. He's got a, a little turn of pace. He's got some close ball control. I think there's um, more to come from him. Um, no, we haven't really talked a lot about the performance, but out of 120 minutes, Ipswich were okay for about 45 at a stretch. Um, mm. Just disappeared in extra time. First half was, was awful. Um, I think they're getting worryingly predictable with this kind of play out play it out from the back style of football if they do it slowly and cautiously uh it's it's far too predictable and i think i think I, the, one of the concerns early in the campaign was they were playing quite well but i did wonder uh, once teams kind of started to gel and once teams started to work out what each other is about ipswich might get found out a little bit and i think at the moment they're slipping into that category because it's a recurring theme at the moment. They're starting games slow and they're knocking it about the back four and it's it's too easy and too predictable to play against. So um, that that has to be a concern. Mm. That's a fair point, actually, Hutch. I mean, obviously, on, on this podcast, we try and be positive. We try and find the bright spots because life generally is better when you try and be, be positive about things. Attitude makes a difference, I believe. But I'm sure a lot of people maybe listening to this will be, will be shouting at their radios or phones or whatever saying, well, what about, you know... Uh, Bad points. We 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 were at the FA Cup this, that, and the other, and Stu just alluded to there that Town didn't actually play the course of the the full game. So, um, what's your take on that? Um, I've, I've never been a massive fan of the playing playing out from the back. We get all these possession statistics, and they're abs they're absolutely meaningless with Ipswich Town because I think at one stage in that game, didn't they? Was it seventy odd percent possession they had, Stu? At one point mm. in the in that first half, it, it's irrelevant because you can knock the ball between NCR and McGuinness all you want. Um, Ipswich need to move the ball quickly to have any kind of impact you, with that kind of football. And uh, that's exactly what they weren't doing in the first half. They had one moment. The, the, the goal was a was the centre-back playing a long ball into into the head of an on-running midfielder inside the box. That's... That's how you. That's how you ultimately make those opportunities. Is moving the ball quickly. You work yourself. You work yourself an opening by knocking the ball about, and then you take the, you take the opportunity quickly when it comes. That's what Andre Dazel tries to do. Um, it's in his little shovel passes that he can play first time, over the top little hook balls, trying to find wingers. They're they're great. Um, Teddy Bishop can do it when he gets on the ball and drives. Um, but defenders, defences have been sitting back and giving him fewer and fewer opportunities to do that, and indeed Dazelle with those balls. Dare, dare I say it, Norwich, um, Norwich under Daniel Farker when they won promotion from the from the Championship, yeah, they used the ball, they played the ball around a lot. But when that killer pass needed to be played, it came quickly, and they were very direct when it came to actually getting the ball into the box and inevitably Timu Puki scoring a goal. That's what Ipswich need to do more of. Um, they need to find ways of, of speeding the play up, making opportunities for themselves from the back, working angles, and then short, sharp, quick, direct balls to, to penetrate defences. And that's what I don't feel like they're doing. Um, mm. 
it's a about, lot of it's at about the mixing up that tempo as well, isn't it? You can't play 100 miles an hour all of the game, and you can have a little period where you kind of keep possession, keep possession, but then all of a sudden, click of the fingers, bang, you've got to go, you know, you've got to step up the tempo, and that's where you keep the opposition guessing. And there hasn't been that kind of sudden upsurge in, in intensity and purpose and play about Ipswich, certainly in the at the start of football matches, it's like they're just waiting for something to happen rather than trying to make something happen. Mm. Second half, I thought McGuinness helped with that because there was a few times that because the opposition just sat back and let Ipswich play it out the back, McGuinness suddenly thought, well, hang on a minute, I 10 yards further up the field. And then he was the one trying to play those sort of 40-yard ground passes into Hawkins' feet, who was then dropping into the pockets. And then, then you're in the opposition third, you've got a striker with the ball at his feet and then you can have runners off of him. And um, Ipswich have shown they can do it. You know, the, the Blackpool game, you look at the, the moves in that Blackpool game, go back and look at the, the goal competition for last month. Ipswich have got the ability to do that and that's what makes first halves like Saturday so frustrating because you're thinking, come on, make something happen here. Mm. Boys, obviously we're now... Uh, Popper John's trophy aside, Hutchie, and don't worry, we'll get on to that in a minute. Um, town have now got an extended break. How how then are you feeling? Because um, ultimately Town have lost the last two games. Obviously, there have been big reasons, big decisions go against them, which we've kind of almost overshadowed the results. Um, but how are you feeling as we, as we enter this this kind of first prolonged break of the season about Town, about this season? How, how are you feeling about it, Hutchie? Bear in mind everything we've seen so far. Still to be convinced. Yeah. Um, I've I've not had my mind taken away from last season yet. Um, they've not had that Blackpool aside. Um, they've not had that that kind of statement win against a team that you think is going to be right in the mix at the end. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not I'm not I'm not convinced yet. Um, my jury is still out on on whether whether this is going to be any different to last season. They're sitting second, but this is more of a second place like they were in around January time compared mm. to when it compared to where they were at kind of this this time last year because it's so tight at the top there. Ipswich has obviously lost they've lost um three in the league recently and it's really, really tight, whereas they'd stretched away um there was a pack kind of stretching away in the top three around this time last year, but it's really, really tight. And I'm I'm not convinced yet that their, their season is going to end up any more successful than it was last year, even though there have been some bright signs and maybe, maybe the football's a bit better. Um, and the fact there's a, there's a cavalry waiting to come back from injury sort of step by step has left me optimistic, but certainly not convinced. Mm. Stewie, you feel the same? Uh, I've become increasingly less convinced over the last few weeks. If you now look, we talked about the Blackpool game, they obviously followed that up with the Accrington win, but since then it's it's four defeats from six and the other two games were 1-0 home wins against Gillingham and Crewe. The Crewe game was particularly unconvincing, so it does feel like we're slipping back into the pattern of last season. The only thing that gives me hope is that obviously this time last year, the injuries, the significant injuries were to come. Whereas this year, 
the injured players are to come back. And I do feel like a fully fit and firing Flynn Downs could make a massive difference to this team. Mm. He feels like, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying the missing piece of the jigsaw, but him and Norwood, if you've got Downs and Norwood anywhere near the top of their games back into this team, then I think that, that makes a huge difference. Mm. And, and Norwood's performance, obviously, at the weekend just gave a little reminder of that. Um, so that's that's the only thing that gives me hope. But in terms of the performances of late, there has to be some cause for concern starting to grow there now. Three home mm. games coming up in the league now: Shrewsbury, Hull, and obviously Charlton, which has been uh, which has been rearranged, and um, that could tell us a, a lot. Mm. Let's not forget as well, KBY one day hopefully will be back on the pitch. The jelly man, he'd be massive when he gets back. Take a few more thoughts and then we'll move on to something totally different. Jack McLean, formerly Jack Slard, a very much still friend of the show. Jack is now a journalism student, boys, I think inspired by listening to KOA and being given friend of the show status. He decided to pursue a career in journalism. He says, good thing in the long run. Let's face it, our second team drew in 90 minutes with another promotion rival. Not all bad, but gutted about the circumstances we exited the cup in. Dave Gort, I'm disappointed we lost. I think the club does not have a winning mentality, so winning games is the most important thing this season. What worried me was the first half performance. Slow, laborious and easy to play against. We need to start on the front foot more. And one more, Ben Diath or Ben Death, perhaps. Um, enjoyed the game from 20 minutes onwards. I thought Gap McGavin looked really um, showed signs of improvement and looks more comfortable this year. Having Norwood back is great. Uh, it's not nice losing. However, the officials no doubt cost us a gain. F's sake, you can't legislate for that. Now then, boys, let's move on to something a little bit lighter, shall we? Let's do a Mark's Big Question. Mark's Big Question. Question, question, question. So then, boys, as I say, um, Ben Death, a perfect intro to this Mark's big question this week is what's the closest you've come to dying? A real lightning of the mood um, on this on this week's pod, given everything we've been discussing. This is inspired by an experience I had uh, on honeymoon. It was actually Mauritius a few years back where we um, we took what can only be described as, a, as an underwater scooter journey, whereby it, it, essentially me and my wife were, were plonked on a, on, on a scooter um, I assumed we'd be having breathing apparatus to go and chase turtles and various things under the water. Uh, but no, it actually worked by the principle of if you take a glass and turn it upside down into water, an air pockets formed in the top of the glass. Um, <clears throat> so we had no breathing apparatus whatsoever. They literally just plonked us under the water. There was a little air bubble around us in the in the glass section around our heads. Um, which at first surprised me, and then I got, well, oh, this is actually nice. But unfortunately, the um, the scooter trip took ended up taking about an hour and a half, uh, and obviously there's only a set amount of oxygen, I would imagine, in that upturned glass. Um, and towards the end, we genuinely started to panic that we were going to pass out. Um, we both had incredible headaches. Uh, we'd started to feel really sick. Um, and so the, the guys who were kind of swimming alongside you came up and sort of showed you a fish or whatever, <laughs> and uh, we generally were like, uh, "Can we? Can we tell her we need to? We need to exit this situation." And I've never been so relieved to be removed from such a, a lovely, peaceful, idyllic paradise as it was under that sea. We saw turtles, we saw lots of nice fish, 
Uh, but genuinely, we both thought we might die that day, um, which would have been a right downer on honeymoon. So that would be that would be one that stands out for me. Boys, have you got any at all? Um, I remember being at the Grand Canyon and trying to pose for the sort of the pictures on the edges of there's literally no um, safety barriers or anything around the Grand Canyon. It would be impossible, obviously, to uh, to fence it all off. So I remember clambering over some rocks and trying to get the uh, the perfect picture and losing my footing a little bit and thinking, this is silly. What are you doing? Um, so that that would be one. I think food poisoning as well. There was a um, there was a real bad bout of food poisoning one time, and it's it's coming out all ends. Oh, I'm nice! Thinking this 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 is never going to stop. I think anyone who's had who's had that kind of thinks I'm um, I'm in a dark place here. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in trouble. My wife actually going back to your picture thing, Stewie. Um, it's stupidest ways to die. Uh, we were once on the edge of a cliff with her brother who had um, who had sort of bent down to try and take an arty picture. And she jokingly went to kick him up the backside, but but slipped and generally almost fell off the side of the cliff. Um, and it, it sounds ridiculous, but that would have been, she literally could have died just messing that up. Um, thankfully, she didn't, which is great. Um, Hutchie, have you got any any moments of peril you'd like to share with the group? I'm really safe and boring, I think. I don't think I've ever been close to death. I, I think my my first close shave with death will probably ultimately lead to my death. I think that's how it's. I think that's how it's destined to be. I do feel like I might be on the way out every time I gl- walk over any kind of see through glass floor. Um, yeah. Particularly, there's there's a section of that at the top of the Rockefeller Center in New York. Yes. Which is is quite big, um, and I'm always convinced that I'm going to fall through that but no fingers you know touch wood at, at the moment i'm uh i'm staying safe but um but yeah it, my time my time will come as it will as it will come for us all <laughs> and that, that's how i want to end this this section we're all gonna die <laughs> um top of the rock by the way hutchie far far better than empire state building yes or no yep 100%. absolutely because you can't 100%. see you can't see the empire that like, if you're going to look at the new york skyline you need the Empire State Building to be in it. Exactly, um, exactly. Which, if you're standing on it, you can't see it. So get if you're in New York, go to the top of the rock instead, and then you can actually see the, the Empire State Building as part of the sky the skyline. 100%. That would be my top tip for anyone going to New York. Top of the rock is where you want to be. Don't worry about the Empire State Building. Anyway, let's move on from the sublime to the ridiculous, from almost dying to the Papa John's Pizza Trophy. Crawley tomorrow night. Town have got to get this out of the way before they go on their little break. Hutchie, we can only start with you, of course, because this is your jam. The Papa John's trophy is your plate of food. Um, so what are you saying about tomorrow night? Town, what, what have Town got to do to, to get through, first of all? I've lost track. Well, let's leave death behind us and move, <clears throat> and move to the trophy where we can all truly live. And yeah. that is the Papa John's trophy. Um, the great news Mark, is that Ipswich may well already be through potentially in this competition by the time they kick off because Arsenal under-21s play Gillingham at half past five. So it could be it could be done and dusted. But essentially, all, all Ipswich need to do is better Gillingham's result, mm. um, essentially. Um, and they're through. They're both locked on locked on three points each. <laughs> Arsenal are on six. So if um, if Arsenal beat Gillingham 
tomorrow. Arsenal will be the winners of the group. And then Ipswich uh, Ipswich will go through as long as they don't then get, get beaten heavily by Crawley, e- even with a loss. So um, they could well be through to the next round of this by the time the game really begins. But um, a, yeah, a, a win basically and they're, and they're through to, to cut us short. Do we do we care, boys? Like the FA Cup, is this one that maybe Town could could do with not being in for the rest of the season, or or do we want them to win tomorrow, Stewie? All I want to see is a Miles Kenlock penalty. I just really want it to go to penalties again, and we'll see that that John Travolta run up that Paul Lambert talked about again. So that that would be nice to see. Um, not bothered. Uh, <laughs> I know people are going to be going. Come on. You know, Ipswich aren't a club that can start chucking yeah. away games and they need to win. Every game builds momentum, but... Come on, Watson. The next round of the trophy would be fresh off the back of a trip to Plymouth, which isn't ideal. And that could... Uh, uh, does the re- regionalisation finish at the first knockout round, Andy? I can't remember. Uh, no, I, no, they will be regionalised. But that could still mean a trip probably even to Plymouth again. Oh, amazing. So there you go. We... You could have back-to-back trips to Plymouth on a Saturday and Tuesday or Exeter or someone someone like that. If you got Plymouth back-to-back, boys, you could just stay down there and have a little little uh, Jolly Boys outing, couldn't you? It'd be wonderful. Well, you could go to the Sea Life Centre there in Plymouth, go to the beaches. Beautiful. Something to look forward to. What do you expect teams-wise? I mean, he's going he's gonna to play a similar team, you think, wouldn't he? I think they might go a bit younger yeah. in, in this one. Um Dobra Dobra's already away. I think he went late last night, Sunday night, to, to Kosovo uh for his Albania under twenty ones game. So he's not he's not around. Um obviously we saw Elkin Baggett play in the previous one. I imagine Corey and Darba will get a game in in this. Uh, I think it could be a fraction younger. And then the bench is anyone's guess because um the benches have, have tended to be really, really young. This kind of Thomas Holy babysitting some some teenagers. Not not impossible that the uh, the club's youngest ever player list gets uh, gets troubled again with with a player that you know, being completely honest, none of us have ever seen mm. play before or know an awful lot about. So um I think he'll go a fraction younger in the team in a few positions and then also the bench is gonna be uh some new names. Do you think Mark will be able to get all aboard the crane train again? Go on. He's always all aboard. You, you, have you ever got off? You're, I've, I've been you, all in, all in since speaking got, to you, Ben Chenery. <clears throat> you've got a season ticket there. Yeah. Um, maybe. <laughs> um, we might the, see Corey and Darba, might we? Uh, he might be someone that comes in. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of Thomas Holy babysitting. Uh, I would let Thomas Holy babysit my child. No problem. I would trust Absolutely. that man. Do you remember those pictures from last Christmas where he went to the children's ward at a hospital and was sat in um sat in a tiny little, little play house. little yeah. little doll's house. Yeah. He Yeah, you're right. Of, of probably all of the players in the squad I'd let him I'd let him look after my daughter. He can have her today. I think she's causing havoc for my wife in the house today. Um so if Thomas uh, if Thomas isn't busy there's a sitcom can... there. There's a sitcom there, isn't there, boys? Thomas Holy babysit, or maybe even a remake of Kindergarten Cop with him in the yeah. Schwarzenegger role. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he'd go. He'd he'd do well in that. What was the other one that Arnie was in? Was it called Twins? Yeah, Twins. Yeah, yeah. He'd, he could take that role as well. 
He could do that with uh, Alan Judge, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you, well, Hutchie. What yeah, was Schwarzenegger's well, line in that? Was it quit, quit vining or something along those lines, wasn't it? <laughs> Hutchie won't know, of course, because he won't have seen Kindergarten Cop. But, um... I have seen <clears> Kindergarten <throat> Cop, actually. Uh, I ah, think. You think? It's, it's an absolute classic. Absolute classic. We should also make mention, boys, and I was generally surprised by this. Obviously, last week we finished with some entertaining pizza-based chat about whether or not um, pineapple belongs on a pizza. And I was genuinely shocked and a little bit surprised by the amount of strong feeling in the in the negative camp and indeed we put we put a vote out and the majority of the KRA army came back and said no pineapple does not belong on a pizza um, and all sorts of people were taking shots at me and Stewie for saying it did um, well you know who else is I found out somebody else uh, within the Ipswich town camp who is who is with you on this mm. um, assistant manager Stuart Taylor uh, his favorite pizza is ham and pineapple so uh, is that you, just you use that information as you wish? Was that that again? Is you know, like last week we had the concussion chambers chat. This week we've given you Stuart Taylor's favourite pizza. Where else can you get that kind of info? Was that was that one of your um, insightful questions this morning? Um, no, that was um, that was meaningless chit chat while Brenna Woolley um, prepared his microphone to begin the interview. I think it was I think it was Brenna that initiated that as well. Um, just talking about Papa John's. Excellent. Hammer pineapple is a, is a fine choice. Boys, I just want to finish. We had a question from Chris London Tractor Boy. He says, off subject, but do you think that when KVY eventually comes back, and if Chambers still hasn't put a foot wrong, could he fit in the right side of a front three? I know it's not his usual position by a long shot, but he's got all the attributes to be a flying winger. Obviously, KVY um, not been seen in these parts for quite some time, but when he's eventually back and offering... Some very exciting new dimensions to the side, boys. Could he? Could he? Could he play up top on the on the wing? Not convinced by that. Yeah, he was playing yeah. left back for Colchester when Ipswich signed him. Mm. So, you know, he's played right back, right wing back. Um, I think to suddenly chuck him in a in a front three would would be quite quite the step up. Yeah, I think we're maybe remembering those nine games. A little too fondly in that in that regard. He clearly he's a very good attacking fullback, wing back, whatever you want to call that. But that is quite a big step to to then play on the right wing. Let, let, playing left back isn't isn't out of mm. out of the question. I wouldn't have thought if um, Stephen uh, Stephen Ward hasn't for me hasn't looked the same hasn't looked the same player since coming back from that Achilles problem. He's um, looked a bit more tentative. Stu, we've we've talked a few times about him getting more and more narrow, haven't we, in the way he's defending to maybe compensate for for um maybe being a bit leggy or something there. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if if and when Vincent Young is back that Chambers keeps his place at right back and suddenly see K V Y back where he played for Colchester at left back. What do you reckon? Yeah, not impossible. Certainly on Ward's not gonna play every game Saturday, Tuesday, is he? And um we've talked about it loads of times before it, I'm not convinced by Miles Kenlock being the uh, the solution at left back. We talked about Danassian being a really solid, dependable, you know, backup right back. I'm, I'm not sure the same is could be said of of Miles Kenlock. So yeah, that's that's not impossible. Hmm. What's the latest on on when KVY might be back, boys? Is it just an ongoing saga with his Achilles? Lambert suggested he's not going to. He's he's doing more running 
um, now, but the suggestion is he won't be ready to go for the Shrewsbury Shrewsbury game in the um, in the league when that gets regoing going again. Stu, how do you say Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury. I remember Paul Hurst gave us a bit of a lesson on this, and I've completely forgotten which one is the which one is correct. He he got quite. Um, I think Paul Hurst actually pointed it out to one of us in a in a press conference that we were saying it wrong, and I can't I can't remember which one it is. I've always said Shrewsbury, but that that may well be wrong. Shrewsbury, isn't it? Or is it? Sh- are we saying Shrewsbury. it wrong? Shrewsbury. I don't know. Who knows? If you know, let us know. Paul, if you're listening. If only this is the time we need Ross to, to put us right on our pronunciation. Yeah, because he'll absolutely nail it, won't he? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now then, boys, anything else to discuss before we take our leave? Uh, no other business. I'm just trying to look up this Shrewsbury thing, but we can we can we can approach that next time. Stu, what have you got planned for the rest of your day? Your day off? What are you going to do? Uh, I've got a big pile of ironing that I'm going to get stuck into in the minute, and uh, watch some of the wire, which I'm. Uh, getting right stuck into at the moment have you not watched that before uh i've watched the first couple of seasons before but for whatever reason got waylaid so i'm picking up the baton again brilliant absolutely brilliant final season lets it down but otherwise i I would say the seat the first season of the wire is up there with the best season of anything ever hutchie how are you what you reckon what you're going to do for the rest of the day have you got any other business uh, you know full well what I'm doing for the rest of the day. Uh, yeah. I'm, I am I'm working and filling the newspaper uh, slash websites, um, mm-hmm. and I have no other business. Excellent. Uh, also, a little TV tip, being as Stu dropped in the wire, The Undoing on Sky Atlantic. Hugh, Hugh Grant, Nicole Kidman, absolutely brilliant, really gripping thriller, drama, whatever you want to call it. Murder, intrigue, fantastic stuff. Get involved. All that leaves me to say then is, as usual, please follow us across all the social medias, Kings of Anglia on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, and also give us a five-star review on iTunes, because that really helps us in the charts in terms of visibility. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Sorry it's been a bit a bit down at times. We, we started with Town going out of the FA Cup for the first time in the first round stage since 1955. We moved on to some terrible refereeing decisions. Then we talked about how close we've all come to death. And we finished on a high, bringing you Stuart Taylor's favourite pizza topping. So hopefully that will leave you with a smile on your face until next we talk, which will be later on this week, after town have won through in the Papa John's Trophy. And we can all celebrate that together. Have a great start to the week, friends. And we'll talk to you again later this week. to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
Ice Cream Auction, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash auction.